Hi, I'm Guy Powell, and welcome to the next episode of The Backstory on Marketing. If you haven't already done so, please visit ProRelevant.com and sign up for all of these episodes and podcasts. I am the author of the newly released book, The Post-COVID Marketing Machine, Prepare Your Team to Win. And you can find more information on this at marketingmachine.prorelevant.com. So marketing has changed so much over the last uh, 12 months, even if not uh, changing every day. COVID is over and AI has absolutely infiltrated our marketing actions and analytics is the new currency. So, uh, so yikes, uh, my, one of my favorite words. And uh, it's really the question is, are your marketing and sales teams ready for AI? With that, today I'll be interviewing Will Riley. Will is the Revenue Operations Director at Fitzmartin, Inc. So let me tell you a little bit about Will. So Will is, uh, as I mentioned, the Revenue Operations Director at Fitzmartin. Over his exceptional career, Will Riley has been a trusted advisor for Fortune 500 executives in the B2B, fintech, and manufacturing industries. His unique approach to aligning sales and marketing operations drives revenue growth and maximizes customer lifetime values. Will is keen to spot optimization opportunities within the complex buyer journey and has the expertise to execute the strategies to deliver high quality lead generation, validated engagement, and operational savings for middle market B2B companies. Welcome, Will. God, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. It's a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking forward to uh, hearing uh, all about uh, each of these, each and every one of these things. B2B marketing to me is one of the most uh, difficult marketing challenges there are. I think consumer is significantly easier than, than uh, B2B. So let's get started. So how did you get into marketing? What is your backstory on marketing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, been in marketing yeah, my entire career. Um, I uh, started out in the financial industry, so I worked for um, a credit union for uh, a couple of years, was in the marketing team, and, um, you know, it was really my, um, uh, different from people in my generation, uh, got to actually use my degree and apply that to my first job, um, so really uh, from classroom to um, you know, to, to, to my first desk job, you know, was, I uh, got, got to apply some of that theory, um, and, and, and take that right to application. So was, was there, love, love my team there. We were an award winning, um, the credit union world. We won a lot of diamond awards and, and, um, we've always worked w- uh, with an agency. So when I was there, we had two different agencies from a branding, um, and obviously from a more technical perspective, um, and then I, as I was looking to just diversify and get into uh, some different industries, um, going agency side is what a lot of people in, um, in our industry experience that, Hey, do I want to go client side or agency side? So was client side yeah, for a couple of years, um, in between eventually coming to the agency side actually, uh, was part of two startup companies. Um, so we did. Uh, we created a software uh, platform uh, to deliver leader development for companies that wanted to invest in their people, uh, then also a recruiting, uh, recruiting business. Um, so did that for about five years. Um, and then um, Fitzmartin was a client, funny enough. So we actually did some recruiting and some consulting uh, with Fitzmartin. Sean, our founder, um, owned the company for over 30 years and was looking to really diversify outside of industry, but more into uh, the type of marketing. So I, I did a lot of performance 
marketing in my past, um, a lot of grassroots and definitely wanted to grow more in RevOps strategy and, and on the tech side. So the last seven years, I've been really building out the revenue operations division of, uh, of Fitzmartin over the last several years. Yeah, fantastic. And so, uh, well, tell us a little bit more about Fitzmartin. Who do you guys focus in on and uh, what do you see as your uh, as your as some of the great things that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So we're, um, like I said, we've been around for over 30 years. Um, so we've been, uh, we've been through the ringer of all the different waves of changes in marketing. So from uh, there's people that still call us Fitzmartin Design, FMD, uh, still the passwords. Uh, you know, we, we pay homage to the old name uh, that people still view us as that high-end design, um, high-impact mailer type company. And 30 years ago, I mean, if you were an agency, you created a lot of direct mail, a lot of beautiful pieces that were, you know, and think like not just a postcard, but really investing in the creative quality um, um, and things like that. So we started out in design um, and then obviously grew into more uh, web um, and have digitized. And, and I'd say if you look at um, a timeline of Fitzmartin, you know, the, the design wave was huge. I'd say the inbound methodology was huge when HubSpot rolled that out of, hey, you got to have not just a beautiful website, but a website that converts leads. And um, it's not just getting traffic, but is actually um, uh, providing value to your sales force. So we were part of that wave. And I think we're you know now seeing a more tech-driven wave. And in and, and the last 12 months, to your point, um, Guy is, is definitely more on AI. I mean, three years ago, I would have told you, you know, CR, dynamic CRM content was the hot <laughs> thing in tech. And now the hot thing is um, getting tech to you know, do some of that more mundane or potentially um, scalable work. So we've been we've been around a while. We've seen a lot of changes. Um, we, we'd say we're, we're doing the work that we that we love to do right now. And, and we do that in a variety of ways for, um, as you mentioned, in my intro, we, we focus a lot in manufacturing, industrial manufacturing. Um, and also the fintech, finserve, um, banks, credit unions. Um, there's a lot of um, ancillary um, industries and in financial, but yeah, we've just got a vast, um, vast expertise in, in both of those verticals. They couldn't be further apart, uh, but we're very, very well positioned in, in, in equipping um, yeah, our clients, buyers to have a accelerated sales journey, whether you're trying to get a credit card application or um um, you know, selling a, a warranty for a product install, you know, whatever, whatever yep. we're trying to do. Uh, and, and to your earlier question, you know, one of the advantages that I think we have a, over other agencies for people that are watching the video, um, we'll see um, uh, a guy referred to it as a subway uh, behind me, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's really our, uh, our framework, our methodology is um, our major differentiator. Um, and it's essentially, we call it centricity. Um, and it's essentially a framework that um, not only identifies the buyer's needs, um, but it's providing what the buyer needs at the right time. Um, so when you talk about avoiding the stickiness, what we see a lot is that technology can be your best friend in helping to expedite a sales journey, whether it's in the ad tech, martech, sales tech category. Um, you know, we just see a lot of agencies tend to not necessarily focus on the technology 
part of the buyer's journey, but we've realized that it's got to be essential. So the subway is the tech. <laughs> so the, the major, <laughs> the major, the major categories, we'd say there's six stages of, of the, of a buyer's journey, no matter what you're buying or selling, if it's a pair of glasses, a new t-shirt, the latest Instagram ad, or, you know, a, a variable frequency drive, <laughs> you know, whatever you're buying or selling, you go through the same stages of change. Um, but an accelerator that marketers, I think, um, cannot ignore is technology. So, and, and that's why from our perspective and why my team leads that is that, that we've, there's really three main categories of tech mm. and that's that ad tech, martech and sales tech. So we've, uh, we've pride ourselves in really having the access to the best technology, but we also use it to amplify the pipeline or accelerate the pipeline and get higher, higher quality leads. So they're not mutually um, disconnected. They are or exclusive. They are actually one in the same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I hate to say it, I think uh, going back, uh, maybe earlier stages in Fitzmartin, um, I'm pretty sure you were our agency back then. So are you uh, we serious? Some, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I could be. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, I'll have to but, do. Uh, I'll, I, I'll check on the server. Yeah. Do you remember yeah, your exactly. job code? <laughs> if you remember your job code, we <laughs> yeah, have <it>. right. <laughs> well, I was. Uh, I was not on the creative side in the company. I was a product manager, and yeah. so then our creative team. I'm, I don't know. I. I, I kind of remember the name. So it. It may be. It may not be. We'll have to see. Oh, that's so. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, technology, and I like the way you put it in terms of ad tech, martech, and then sales tech, and uh, and certainly that's a you know a big driver of growth. So uh, tell us uh, how that all kind of comes together for you, then. Yeah, so we we look at yes, obviously the buyer's journey's got six stages, but when we really look at the funnel, um, if we're using the F word, um, early stage. Um, um, in any buyer's journey, marketing has a lot more influence than sales. So when you look at what can we provide the buyer, what does the buyer need, typically gets answered through marketing tactics, um, through, through the website, through email, through an ad, but that messaging at scale. So, hey, we want to reach a lot of people um, and we want to then qualify them to see if they have legitimate interest in what we're offering. So really, MarTech sits at the front. We also think it sits at the bottom um, because MarTech can be the foundation to alarm the sales team when someone's ready for a phone call, when someone's ready for a demo. Um, but we really leverage MarTech, I'd say, at the, at the really the foundation, but then also early stage. Um, ad tech, we see at every stage of the journey. Um, so when you get into media tactics, whether it's digital out of home, which is a very new um, advertising strategy to CTV on, on the programmatic side to, you know, just basic retargeting ads. Um, it just all matters and is connected to buyer intent. So you have a, you have a lower intent <laughs> uh, versus mm -hmm. a higher intent, depending on if you're ready for action. Um, so yeah, we, we would say that ad tech is really omnipresent if you will. Um, but, but the, the type of media that you're running and the technology in which you're placing that, uh, media or that ad, it, it varies at, at, at stages, right? I mean, we're not going to run a, you know, um, a certain type ad on the front end versus if we were on the back end, um, and on the sales tech side, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically um, anything that the sales team needs um, to do their job. So we, we've seen um, that some of the same tech that MarTech uses on the sales team also inherit. So if you're using, 
you know, Salesforce or Dynamics or HubSpot, some of the top Marketo, even on the MAT side, some of the bigger CRM and MAT uh, offerings out there. There's a lot of things that the sales team can be doing, whether it's just having a mm. visible pipeline and good reporting and I need to schedule any, you know, I need a schedule link and things like that. So what we've seen the the, the sales tech is again, I, I think marketing, it's martech, but for sales, if that makes sense. It's not necessarily new, but it's yeah. more of what what do they need? What can marketing provide them? Um, so, you know, quick examples like video marketing. Um, so like Vidyard or, mm. um, you know, some of those type tools that are out there, you know, we have Vidyard on the website, but then also the sales team needs the ability to send one-to-one videos. So really what we help clients do and what a client uh, does is they'll maybe invest in MarTech, but it better have a use case or a, or a version that the sales team could then use. So that's just, a, yeah, I'd say how we generally yeah. structure those different categories and how some of those practically play out. So your definition of sales tech is more on the marketing support side of the sales, not necessarily the CRM and the management of the Salesforce automation. Is that, am I understanding that right? Yeah, I think I think it's both and. Yeah, we definitely don't want to okay. ignore uh, the CRM and some of those additional tools, but uh, to your point, I think a lot of people think, oh, sales tech, I've got a CRM. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then with some of our HubSpot clients, HubSpot comes with the CRM. So when we're actually implementing um, some of the HubSpot software for a client, the CRM is rolled into the package, you know, because it used to be where CRM was over here, MarTech was over here. And I'd say in the last decade, uh, these major yeah, tech companies exactly. have tried to have one combined solution. So I think legacy, yeah, used to be, sales equals CRM from a tech standpoint. And we've just seen that grow and scale tremendously mm. in the last decade. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, and that makes a lot of sense. Uh, now, one of the things, though, that uh, seems to be pretty critical is, uh, is, 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 especially in a B2B environment or a B2B to C, is is uh, really understanding who your target accounts are. How do right. you see this, you know, the, the art of demand generation supporting that? Yeah, absolutely. It's re- it's really the the foundation. I think when um, and there's been some really amazing books on demand gen uh, over the last several several years, um, and 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 really that's just a reiteration of content marketing. Um, and then mm-hmm. from then it was just probably called content. <laughs> and then it was just called marketing. Um, so I, I think when you look at demand gen, um, it has everything to do with who your target is, um, and that really comes down to having a um, clearly defined sales playbook. Um, um, so a strategy, obviously, is just um, making sure that we all have cohesive direction, chasing what's going to drive results. Um, so for us, whenever we're working on a demand gen front, one of the first questions that we're asking with the sales team is who's what's the total addressable market? Um, so we actually start a, a few steps back. We actually look at the market of who's available, who do we sell to, who are the different personas, and then from there, we work through and eventually have that target account list uh, for them. So I'd say the, you know, the demand gen strategy, I mean, you'll eventually get a very clearly defined sales playbook, but then also a list from it. Um, and I think before it used to be where, hey, marketing has got all this great, you know, ad tech, we're ready to go. Like we can place an ad same day. We don't have to wait. And then we would just start going after more demographic targeting. Um, so when you look at 
how things have changed, a lot of the demographics have been removed from ad platforms. Um, you know, whenever, like when you look at placing a Facebook ad now versus eight years ago, I mean, that guy wouldn't even choose Facebook today, probably. Um, and that's a little bit of a stretch because I know Facebook and Google are still some of the top digital um, ad platforms out there. But my goodness, has the targeting changed? So in some ways, demand gen has had to evolve to... Um, uh, privacy restrictions. Um, so before it used to be, yeah, demand gen, demographic, we can place an ad same day. Now we're having to spend more time in strategy and a list development and market development and going after companies from a B2B standpoint in particular, just because the data that we had access to that we became reliant on is just simply not there anymore. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, uh, and, and it's almost seems like the you know, we were we were loving as marketers, we were loving life with the availability of data going right. back. And now uh, now it's it's getting to be more of a challenge. Uh, and and I don't know, I'm, I'm sure you suffer through uh, questions about PII and making sure you're handling all that. And uh, I don't know that it, PII should be a four letter word because it's so it's so painful for all of us. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 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 So um so what uh, in your in one of your uh, messages to me as we were talking, you were talking about you know how do you go from automation to domination, and really to kind of and maybe the right term is to supercharge your marketing strategies for unstoppable success. Tell tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and um, we can't just rely on foundational systems and foundational CRM. Uh, potentially marketing automation and a website. Um, and then does this, you know, do we have a phone number? Can someone call us? Um, and, and foundation systems are essential. Like we can't do our jobs without um, having a website um, in a lot of our clients use cases or some type of, um, you know, mechanism of communication with us on phone or through live chat. Um, so essentially where we've been, where, you know, um, where you need to be is having that foundational tech stack in place. Um, and, but if you want to really supercharge is making sure that do you have tech at the various stages of the journey? And I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about that. Hey, at a stage one, there's like five or six different technologies that we need to use there. And then as someone is ready to make a purchasing decision, there's five or six additional technology that we need to do that. Um, so really one of the first steps that we always do is just a, a tech audit. <laughs> what are you currently using? How are you using it? And is it enabling sales? Um, so typically we come back with, hey guys, like you need to kill all of these subscriptions because they're actually not driving any <laughs> engagement in the journey. So I think a lot of people will invest in technology and it is, it's self-serve. There's direct sales teams. You could go buy all this tech yourself. You absolutely can. Um, and what we've seen over the years is that it's important to make sure that you've mapped the technology that your buyer needs but then it's also making sure that, okay, well, does that tech that we just bought, does it actually talk? Is it connected to my foundation system? Because if I've got, if I'm a, you know, manufacturing company and I've got this massive enterprise, you know, Salesforce connection, well, I better not buy something that doesn't integrate with Salesforce. And I know Salesforce has, you know, an open API for the most part and can get most of that technology in. But if we want to supercharge, we got to make sure that when we add tech, then we're not creating a franken system. We're making sure that all of this mm -hmm. tech supports the buyer, 
and is simply integrated into one in one system. So we'd say that um, that convergence of that tech into a single platform is really the secret sauce to be able to supercharge your sales funnel. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. And I think the good news is it seems to be getting easier. It seems like, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, whatever your, 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 your systems are, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, um, HubSpot, like you mentioned, or maybe even Dynamics, although I'm talking more about the, uh, on the Salesforce automation side, but then you have, you know, for the larger companies, you've got Salesforce, and then you've got uh, Adobe and IBM. And, and those, I think the, I think you're right. The integration is now uh, getting a lot easier. Um, number one, and and then even the integration now with AI. How? Uh, what kind of experiences have you seen there? Yeah, it's a, you know we're we're really seeing our core technology adapt to AI, which is really nice. So when I look at um, you know core tech would be you know CRM websites, some of the ones I already mm. had mentioned earlier, um, and I'll just pick on HubSpot. Um, you know, they've, they're in beta. If you've enrolled in beta, you can have AI generated content. So whenever you're building your website in the HubSpot CMS, you can actually do a first pass through AI. No one necessarily asked for that. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of feature requests and benefits from, you know, the end users from the, the over 90,000 that are using HubSpot. Uh, but it just happened one day. You can just logged into HubSpot and they're, Hey, try this out. Uh, maybe have some AI generated content. You know, um, another HubSpot example, just because it's top of mind, is through their chat bot. Um, you know, they've, um, you know, when you look at Drift and HubSpot, Zendesk, and some of, uh, some of these others that have had, you know, chats for years for customer support. Um, and obviously, sales has really used chat over the last couple of years. Well, they just made an update to the chat where it's, you know, chat spot <laughs> um, is now AI driven. So it um, mm. it's, it's really interesting because we're seeing a lot of our technologies. We're not having to find AI tools, but the tools that we have are actually AI supported. And then we, we really look at that in two categories of does this tech support AI? Because AI is definitely um, on the rise. It, you know, when you look at monthly search volume to just interest in general, it's probably the still the most talked about thing in marketing. You know, uh, we actually did a podcast a couple of weeks ago on just what are the five AI that we need to be using this not <laughs> Chat GPT <laughs> mm. because again, the Chat GPT has dominated the market. We use mm. it all the time. We use it for um, we help use it for. Um, you know, writing memos or contact reports or, you know, meeting notes or just how to talk to a coworker. I mean, my goodness, it is so integrated um, mm -hmm. at Fitzmartin uh, from more of a personal standpoint, but it's also been the framework of staging um, uh, draft emails and just getting a first mm -hmm. pass. <laughs> so, you know, <clears throat> take this investor deck and write it to uh <laughs> you know to uh this type to this new buyer type so it's really amazing um at, at what ai has been enabling marketers to do the last month you know the last several months but um you know you don't have to necessarily have a you know new ai tooled into the tech stack chat gpt might be the exception but we're noticing like i said guy just so many of our current technologies are just AI supported and they're just getting the features yeah. left and right, which is really, yeah. really cool. I, have well, you had experience yet with any of that? Or are you seeing that? Oh with man, else? Yeah. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. The, um, uh, now we're not actually in the, uh, in the analytic, in the marketing and the content generation space, but, uh, even for our own business, um, you know, having a, 
a starting point from that's generate that you know that's provided to you by uh, by AI easily saves you fifty percent of your time and uh, and maybe even more, which means you can either generate more content or you, you're going to be generating better content. And uh, so absolutely, and and we've got a couple of thoughts as well uh, in terms of how to even use the AI to take the personalization to the next level. I mean, it's already there, but I think there's uh, a couple of areas where uh, it can even uh, take it to, to the next level when combined with other tools. And in our case, we're analytics guys. So combining that with, uh, with very, very robust analytics and then putting this, uh, you know, the generative AI and the content generation and kind of on the front end, I think there's some really interesting capabilities there. Yeah. And, and yet to that point, you know, where to me, it's more removing redundancies in some cases on mm. uh, maybe analytic reporting. And then um, even from your um, to your 50% um, claim there, it, 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 it most absolutely could be more. Yeah. Um, when yeah. you look at whatever yeah. that function is, or that function is writing content or, you know, creating a mood board or, you know, trying to get original photography for a concept. Um, there's some crazy ones out there. If you look at yeah. AI on, you know, past presidents, you know, in different activities and there's some, you know, uh, there's definitely a meme culture on the AI side, but um, I think a lot of businesses, if they're not leveraging it now, um, they probably will be forced to in some yeah, cases absolutely. just because of the rollout and the rollout yeah. um, is, is similar to any other um, self-serve platform. Um, we're getting a ton of, I think, users in obviously chat GPT, when you look at its growth over a 24 hour and a week and a month and a year period, mm. um, it, it's still more of the more widely used AI tools that are out there. But yeah, when you look at, and, and you mentioned analytics, which I think is great, but we look at, you know, some of the top categories from a marketing and agency standpoint are around, you know, image and video, um, yep. just content generation, like we've already talked about, uh, and then communication, whether that's through virtual assistants or, or, or chat, chat robots and things like that. So we're really, I think marketing now, like those are the three, you know, categories that AI is really penetrated first. And I'm really intrigued to see what those next categories are. Cause I don't know if we, any of us predicted it, um, but we're definitely leveraging it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I'm, and I'm also surprised uh, pleasantly to see how fast uh, the AI just kind of seems to have been, you know, just taken over. And, and you're right. I mean, chat GPT is great, but uh, we were uh, updating a few things on one of my websites and, uh, and we were getting images from AI, just, you know, have an AI generate, generate this image with this and that. And, and, and there it is. It's, it's amazing how, how, how fast it's been, you know, put into a tool that everybody can use. And now it, it, uh, you know, I kind of see it. I, one of my questions was going to be, what is the next new normal? And, um, and, and, you know, the, it, it is this integration of, uh, of this generative a AI that's, that's taken marketing by storm. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And, you know, what, what it, I, I think still hasn't, um, done yet is replace the human. And I think mm. if anything, it's, um, equipping us, uh, I think with, you know, chat GPT, um, they, that there's a term I read called prompt engineers, um, so it's it's actually taking a marketer 
and them becoming this master of AI. So mm. it's that, hey, I've got this prompt and no matter what that prompt is, it gives you the best results when it's an outbound email or how to fire a client or how to communicate value and whatever that is. And I think what we're going to be noticing in that next wave is what is the prompt engineer equivalent for images and through video and through email and communication? Mm. Um, because that, and, and you're starting to see that I'm getting those ads now that are like, Hey, these are the top prompts for when running this report or the four best hacks and yep. doing it this way. So I think we're already seeing it um, a little bit of a game. Uh, if it's gamified on um, it's not just having it, but it's like, how do we use it for the best results for our target market? So, yeah, I think next iteration is just, I mean, we're going we're to become masters at using it yeah. and it's just yeah. going to be the norm. Just like we turn on a, a laptop, hit power up, open our inbox or open the CRM to see what my daily call script is. Um, AI should be and, and will be um, as forefront as uh, turning yeah. on your computer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and it's interesting too. I mean, there's been a lot of concern, and I, I think it's probably a you know a correct concern that uh, that AI is going to potentially you know cause a lot of job loss and stuff like that. But what I find interesting is whatever was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, the laptop was supposed to get rid of all these office workers, and it didn't. It right. I, I think actually there's more office workers now, and so um, uh, I, I I would imagine that. AI has the opportunity to actually increase the number of whatever it is. And, uh, and so, uh, cause it, it, it is really, if, if you're the first to implement AI in some fashion in a, in a, in an intelligent fashion, then you're going to have a competitive advantage and that's going to require more, you know, more AI. And, right. uh, and at some point, you know, you're going to have the, the, the competition, you know, I've got this AI and then all of a sudden then there's leapfrog and then leapfrog and leapfrog. So I think there's, uh, there's going to be kind of an arms race that's going to take place in how companies and brands and marketers implement and utilize all of these really cool AI tools that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, and to, from our standpoint, uh, we see us having another tool to the arsenal that we didn't have before. Mm. Um, now, I think some people are more threatened um, and we're seeing it a lot on the art side. So whether you're um, obviously there's a strike in Hollywood right mm. now, and that's a major concern on uh, generating scripts. And, um, you know, there's a Disney plus show recently uh, with uh, with Marvel Studios and the entire intro is AI generated art. Uh, mm -hmm. So when you look at that, I mean, a lot of people are threatened and uh, are hoping that the industry, you know, makes a stance and regulates some of that on what are we okay with using and when are we using it? And that's no different than if we, you know, I can't just create an AI blog post and resell it to a client uh, because they don't own that IP. Uh, so when you look at um, uh, what we create through there, there there's um, some yet to be written um, legislation mm -hmm. on what does someone own when they use AI. Um, so for us, we've got to be, we use it um, and leverage it a lot. But when you look at what the different passes are and what the client then owns as a transaction, a part of the agency, 
Um, there's, you know, we've having we've been having to seek legal counsel um, and are updating our MSA actually to address AI um, because it, um, the client, if we create an ad, the client owns the ad, um, mm. but if AI creates the ad. Who owns the ad? Uh, so it's a it's an interesting uh, dilemma that we're running into that will, um, you know, obviously to your point, work itself out um, as yeah, as yeah. we just continue to see like what what's our stance on it as a culture. Mm. Uh, and I think although it's I, so I, new, I, we're we're yeah, stuck there. I definitely see your point. Uh, although um, I guess the question then is is AI. So if I build a house. And I use a hammer to build a house. Uh, does the hammer belong to the house or does the hammer belong to me as the builder? Right. So it, then the question is, is AI, then the, uh, is it owned by the creator of the result or is it owned by the buyer of, of that? Uh, because I think, uh, you know, one of the, one of the stories I really love is, um, uh, and you know, it's, it's a metaphor, but uh, is this guy, you know, says, Hey, uh, you know, we're having trouble with, uh, getting our, our ship to work. And, uh, and so the ship then hires or the, the ship owner hires an engineer and it's going to cost $50,000. And he comes in and he looked, the engineer comes in and looks at the uh, problem and, and, uh, and then finally says, give me a hammer. And he taps right in the right spot. And then all of a sudden things start to work. And, uh, and then of course the, the guy that paid the 50,000 or was about to pay the $50,000 is that's it for $50,000. And, uh, and it's, and, and the engineer or the, the repairman, or in this case, the AI person. Yes, absolutely. Because it was the 20 years it took me to learn exactly where to hit the hammer. And in the AI case, it took me 20 years to, to know exactly how to ask the question of AI to give me the answer that I want. Yeah, that's so uh, I see, I see your point that there are some interesting legal questions as to who owns what. And, uh, and, and I, I guess the, uh, you know, the, the other part of it is that AI, you know, chat GPT, for example, or Bard or whoever it is, is actually a licensed tool that Google or uh, I guess ChatGPT is is Bing is is Microsoft, right? So they actually own the results because they created it. But I don't know what's in their license agreement. So it's probably more important to understand what's in theirs, and then you know how you to your point, then how you change your master services agreement as to who owns what when that creation is then generated through all of your smart questions. Right. Well, because you know the last thing you want is hey, I said this, and then you're seeing your exact creation out in the world. You're like, Oh, well, that's mine. No different mm. than, than logo trademarks. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, that, cause that, yeah, was not in place whenever that was um, uh, when those tools were originated. And we're seeing that now is that we're, we're getting to, to see the foundation, the creation regulation. Um, mm. of, I think a really, it's a, it's a, it's a definitely a shift and how we work, um, but it's also a tool set that um, needs counsel. <laughs> yeah, if I'm, if yeah, I'm, if I'm yeah. Because yeah. we love it, we love using it, and think that there's um, tremendous value, like I said, across the board. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, uh, we'll we'll need to be regulated in some some regard. Well, do you think it's a uh, it, it's a, a legal regulatory thing, or is it more a contractual? Uh, you know, in terms of my contract with you that. 
you know, I, I, I'm the one that used this hammer to develop this call to action and this script and this whatever. Um, and so therefore, you know, I own that you don't own it because, well, you own it because you paid for it, but I, I have to license that to you. Right. Yeah. I think it's both and right. I think, you know, what, uh, no different than, um, GDPR and, and some of these, Mm. um, larger regulations on, Hey, what we do with your data, um, you know, I don't get a note right now that says what we do with your prompts or what we do with your mm. email that you just wrote, because uh, people are putting, you know, probably more sensitive information in there um, mm. in terms of maybe how to solve a problem or how to communicate with someone or, yeah, um, and definitely code. I mean, you know, we haven't really touched on that is that, you know, there's um, tremendous coding abilities within chat GBT. So when you mentioned running some uh, analytics report, I don't know if you've throwing a SQL database in there to see what it could compute. But it's, you know, I did one, something <laughs> simple. I was like, hey, I just need to, you know, update a div tag on this call to action button to do this. And when in five seconds, yeah. I was like, oh my yeah. goodness, I, I yeah. didn't have to go to my developer on that and actually use the source code. I was like, this is great. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be both and on the individual um, um, AI tool and just what does it do after you put an input I think that there's a lack of clarity on to your point uh, on who owns, but then do I then distribute? Am I creating another billion dollar industry if I'm selling all your questions to this third party? Um, so now we've created, you know, we're, we're phasing out cookies and that's been um, mm. marketing has been dependent on cookies, but are mm. we about to, are they selling all of our prompts and we don't know about it? I, I don't know. I really <laughs> don't. So I think that there's, you know, uh, if the right people, I think, should be asking that question on, are we creating another cookies industry? Yeah. Because um, when you look at the yeah. billions of dollars that that has been in reselling your email, reselling your your phone number and your demographic information, um, mm. I, I'm sure your prompt is on the hot list if it's not already. <laughs> well, that is a really good point. So if I put in there, you know, write me a, a write me the uh, script the JavaScript to handle this button to do X, Y, and Z. And that happens to be pretty creative uh, and very different. Uh, then does uh, ChatGPT own that that prompt or do you own that prompt? Yeah, that right. is a very interesting question. We're, yeah, yeah we're, just, we're pondering. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, yeah, then, then it becomes cautionary tale, right? It's like, cute. yeah, right. Right. Do the music on that. Um, yeah, and, that yeah. and that's with anything. Yeah, we would we would say with any um, database or, you know, content tool where you're giving information. Um, yeah. And, we, and, yeah. and we've been glad that, yeah. yeah, I mean, people are telling you, hey, this site accepts cookies and that what a cookie means is this. And we've got this about you. For the most part, I love it because I want a tailored experience. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's on the cookie side. And I think with the on the AI side, yeah, if it is giving me exactly what I want, then I'm, I'm one of the early adopter on the diffusion of innovation line. Like I'm, I'm in the front there wanting to yeah, leverage same it, Same here. you know, and I think that's where we're at. We're still very early in AI. I think we're, uh, I don't know if you've read reports that are contrary, but we would say we're in the really, you know, early, earlier stage. We're definitely not to laggard or anything on that side of the bell curve yet. Mm. Um, so we think that, yeah, because of this, we're, there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, we're, we, we just don't know yet, um, which is why I think a lot of brands haven't fully adopted it across the board because there's just a lot of what ifs. 
but that yeah. doesn't mean that we shouldn't try experiment leverage and learn uh, but we we are the test subjects for any user. Yeah, that is right definitely now. true. That is definitely true. Well, is there, before we close, is there anything yeah. else that you'd like to mention? Uh, we, we'd love uh, for you to check out our Centrist, uh, Centristy podcast. We've actually been doing a mm-hmm. series on AI. Um, so if you're an agency owner or in the B2B space or an executive I'm looking for additional details, um, even from uh, deeper than what we dove in today. We've been doing an AI series uh, on our podcast. So I've I've been the host there and would love for, uh, yeah, yeah, you guys to reach out to us if you're looking for some expertise and thought leadership. I would love to point listeners to the uh, Fitzmart and Centricity podcast. Fantastic. Uh, Definitely uh, do that. Um, So I do have one last question, though. And that is, uh, so what advice would you give an up and coming new marketer? Yeah, dive in. <laughs> um, <laughs> one, of, one of my uh, uh, yeah favorite bosses uh, just let me explore. Um, and I mm-hmm. think, you know, finding an environment um, uh, either on your own or in your career where you just get exposed to a lot of things so that you can make intelligent decisions. Um, I think I have the autonomy I have now because I wasn't just a this type marketer from day one, where I was really exposed mm. to seven or eight different types of marketing. And, and then in my careers, I've gotten older, um, you know, that, that, that that's what, whether you're in your twenties, thirties or forties, you can start marketing at any time or, or older. Uh, but no, no matter where you are in your decades of your career, um, just exposure, uh, I think is really, really beneficial for someone getting into marketing. If you get so narrow, uh, at the beginning, uh, you may be um, kind of narrowing in the wrong in the wrong place. So, yeah, 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 fantastic. Well, thank you for that. I really appreciate it, and thank you for participating today. And um, you mentioned uh, this uh, your podcast, the Fitz Martin. Uh, what was it again? Fitz Fitz Martin Mar- Fitz Market the Fitz Martin centricity. If I can get my words out here. That's right. Yeah. Fitzmartin.com F I T Z M A R T I N backslash centricity. And that's C E N T R I C I T Y. Fantastic. Well, Will, thank you so much for being on and uh, for the audience, please stay tuned for many other videos in this series on the backstory on marketing and please visit marketingmachine.prorelevant.com and you can download Uh, excerpts from my book and other valuable uh, things there. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Will. Thanks, Kyle. Have a great day. Yep, you too. Thank you.